I'm Tefera Jamian. And I'm Emily. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah. yeah. Before we get started, we'd like to take the time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. So this week, uh, we are joined by special guest Emily Patton, who's one of our patrons, um, who very kindly agreed to fill in because we had a little staffing problem this week. Emily, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited and also nervous to be here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I live in the greater Seattle area right now um, from the east coast of the U.S. initially. Um, I'm 30, soon to be 31, so grew up with a lot of the books that you talk about on the podcast, and that's how I found you guys. So I'm just happy to kind of step in and, and help out and talk about this, uh, talk about Ray Bear. Thanks for joining us. So yeah, we are talking about Ray Bearer by Jordan Ifueko. I feel like I have heard about this book. I feel like I've been hearing about this book for five years. Like the internet is buzzing with it. Everybody is very excited about it. And I was very excited to get into it. Ray Bearer is the story of Teresai. I actually don't know the pronunciation. This is one of those words I read on the page. Do you have any idea? Did you look that up? I I did look it up, yes. So in the back of the book are the pronunciations for all the characters. <laughs> like I said, overprepared. Taris. Um, Taris. And yeah, and then I, I watched, again, overprepared. I watched some interviews with the author, and that's how she, ter- Terry Sides, how Terry she was Sides. pronouncing it too. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So this is why we have Emily on today, because she is bailing me out. Um, so Terry Sai is a young girl. She's 11 at the beginning of the book, and she's picked to be one of the council. This is in a, a beautifully built fantasy world, which I'm sure we'll talk about. At least I want to talk about the world building in this. It's incredible. And she is torn between the needs of the empire and needs that come from her own upbringing and, and her mother. It's really a book of self-discovery of discovering one's power and growing into yourself and I thought it was really beautiful how did how did you find it so it took me it took me a minute to get into the book because when I started it I got reminded of a lot of different tropes it was like a mixture of there's like some Disney stuff and Hunger Games stuff and um some Twilight stuff the hollows that's where I was kind of frustrated at first but um after I stuck with it um, it was I, it was awesome. I have nothing but good things to say about the book. Um, it it felt way longer than it is in the best way, though. That's how strong the world uh, building is. Like to your point, what you said earlier, and like you said, I'm sure we'll get to it. But um, I'm a big fan of strong world building in books. That's one of my favorite parts. I really agree on the pacing. I I this 
I feel like this book like proves something that I think I've said before that books don't have to be 600 pages um like fantasy books don't have to be 600 pages this Mm -hmm. book is is like 360 pages roughly I think it's it's a slim little book um Mm -hmm. and it it is just packed full um it doesn't drag at all and uh, it's just it's exquisitely paced and mm-hmm. I hope that a lot of fantasy writers see this and take it as a sign to cut 200 pages out of the middle of their books it is too bad Tolkien yes. is dead but other fantasy writers can learn from this yeah I think I equated it to like um, in my head flourless chocolate cake because it's just like it's rich it's dense and it's just so so good and I can't believe how much you get out of like the 300 and some odd pages. Like it's just, it's really, really well paced. I love that metaphor more than I love most things. Um, (laughs) I did actually have the same experience of having some trouble getting into it. I don't think it was even the first hundred pages, like maybe the first 50 pages. I I had some worries about chosen one narratives and sort of have we had enough of those? Have we had enough Mm -hmm. of bright gifted girls with magic powers? But I, I would say like stick it through because I this isn't a story I've read before at all it reminded me in many ways of one of my favorite fantasy novels uh Bitter Blue by Kristen Kishore and the reason they're totally different worlds like the feel the the like tapestry of the world like it's completely completely different but Mm -hmm. the similarity is that I found um the ethics of the book were really complicated there's no clear like good bad and I've seen that happening a lot more in fantasy books lately and I really really like Mm -hmm. it when you're just like you're not sure what the right choice is as the protagonist is also not sure what the right choice is and Bitter Blue also has uh, memory as a player in the book so memory plays a a very large role in this book and I really love that because Bitter Blue is one of my favorite books and I really enjoyed reading a book that has like the same kind of feel of really difficult choices and kind of kind of taking a step when you actually genuinely aren't sure if it's the right step um mm-hmm. but you just kind of have well, to go that's the with world gut. right yeah <laughs> yeah it's not black and white it's gray so I appreciate it's it's just more realistic right yeah um I'm also just like I'm looking at it I'm holding the the, the hardcover here and I have to say this is some of the most beautiful cover art I've seen in like a year of really beautiful cover art <laughs> um it's astonishing i'm just gonna keep saying it over prepared but <laughs> the the cover is um i i agree it is one of the most like stunning cover arts i've seen in a while but what was interesting is um because they talk about the clothing a lot through the book but the different fabrics of different tribes in africa are actually what's surrounding out from her those are all different fabrics from um from different tribes like real realistically and i thought that was a really cool kind of piece that the artist had included into it that is that's wonderful yeah and i always just love to see a like dark-skinned black girl with coily hair and you know that that deep rich skin seeing that representation is so important especially in fantasy because like fantasy cover art you you see a lot of white girls on fantasy cover mm-hmm. art like a lot of white girls on fantasy cover art and I'm so excited to see that that's starting to change and to see that look starting to change and to see this idea of what fantasy is starting to change because like 
really, really like five years ago, maybe even less, um, fantasy was white. Like you, you didn't really find, mm. you didn't see diverse fantasy that like almost ever. And now we have so many, like I have a shelf, like a full shelf of just diverse fantasy books on my bookshelf mm-hmm. now and it's overflowing and I'm going to have two shelves soon. And that's so exciting because that's representation, right? Like it's representation when you have, a, a, when you can fill a library with it and every book is mm-hmm. a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you, you're able, and you're able to find more authors or upcoming books too, just through like social media. And I just, I feel like access has been greater and that's starting to turn because um, you know, you hear sometimes about um, whether it's black authors or other diverse authors, just uh, you, they aren't getting responses or um, they'll submit to publishers to try and get like, you know, get their things printed, get them out there. And um, so I think just having like, you know, fans being able to like jump on board or mm-hmm. having more um, amplification from like other offers on social or other authors on social media is just super important as well to getting that out there. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the book itself because I do feel like I could talk about the cover for a long time, but we can we can talk about the actual <laughs> story. Um, we've touched on the world building, and I think it's just so beautifully done. It felt like a much bigger world than a lot mm-hmm. of fantasy worlds do. You really, I really, really got a sense of like a huge scope. Like it really felt like, it almost felt like the entire like, I don't think that this world like maps onto our world in any way. A lot of the time with fantasy worlds, I find you can kind of be like, okay, so that over there is like this part of the world and that's this part mm-hmm. of the world. And this is really its own world but also draws very clearly from the like rich diversity that the human world has or our world has. And I I really, really like that. I thought she got that line exactly right. Mm-hmm. That it didn't feel too, deriv- too derivative from real life, uh, but it also was like familiar and tangible and you didn't get pulled out kind of going like, well, what's that? Well, what's that? Um, mm-hmm. Everything was really, really clear. Yeah, it's it was just really well done. Like it's it's a big world, that's for sure. Like you can get an appreciation for just like the scale of it. Um, but I also feel like even though it's a big world in the book and and the scale is just massive, um, I feel like I have a very clear picture of the personalities of like each of the um, I don't know if she she didn't call them districts, which she called them realms. Um, each of the realms and. And just like their their personalities or like the different buildings because you get to visit a lot of different areas and a lot of different locations in this book and i just i feel like i have a very clear picture of it even though it's such a big world like she did an amazing job of just describing it so you have that mental picture mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so emily um you actually sent me a test to find out what my hollow was and i thought that was pretty cool and my hollow is apparently flying did you find that out that was mine too yeah what? we're gonna fly together <laughs> let's fly um so if you go to jordan ifueko's website you can find this test uh to find out what your hallow might be so the um the magic system in ray bears like there are there are children who are born with gifts um sort of like graces and graceling sort of like uh 
oh, I feel like there's this is something that people who read fantasy know about. Certain not children are gifted to, with certain gifts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not to map it to Twilight, but the vampires all have the, like the amplification of their personality. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so some children have hallows, and uh, so Teresai has kind of a special, unusual gift um, that she can. Uh, see memories and also to a certain extent manipulate memories which is a gift that Mm -hmm. she develops um a little further uh there are you know healers there are the the hallows are really cool Mm -hmm. they're like so thought out and they're so unique and again this is like something that that reminds me of grace like the graces are also that kind of like quirky uniqueness but um I really liked it. Like, I like that it wasn't just like, there are six types and everybody has one of them. It's kind of everybody has like a kind of different kind of take on it. And they mm-hmm. maybe fall into some general categories. But it, you almost get a sense that they're sort of endlessly, like, I lo- customizable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, there's, and there's always more to maybe explore through Hallow, too. Like, yeah. it was very individualistic, which I liked. Um I think one of the other things I liked about the hollows and just the magic system in general is how, I mean, the hollows aren't simple themselves, but just the magic system was simple to grasp. So, cause I think sometimes authors get a little too into trying to like define out or describe a magic system or like place rules around it. Mm-hmm. And you can see like maybe some holes in logic there or um, it just gets too bogged down. So I do, I do like that the hallows have just kind of like an infinite possibility with each person but it's simplistic in trying to grasp the concept of the magic system in ray bear i did appreciate that mm-hmm. absolutely i also really appreciated that among the realms people interact with the faith system slash magic system differently and there's like you see different expressions of devotion like it's a very kind of universalist approach um but i feel like often in fantasy books i don't know just to like to use like a a metaphor from our world like everybody's more or less christian and you have like coptics or catholics or protestants but like basically Mm -hmm. everyone's christian and this one is like there's much more going on there Mm -hmm. um you really have people who approach things differently you really have um yeah it was like the four different sects it was like um clay and fire it was like more or less the elements i think is is what it was i mean i i know i'm getting that a little bit wrong by going off of memory um those were like the different ones because they yeah. had like the fire lord being worshipped and they had like mother earth and I think there was a water one as well so then mm-hmm. I would assume the last one some form of air but mm-hmm. um, again could be totally wrong on that mm-hmm. yeah I mean I guess that's just something you get from having something that's like sort of polytheistic though again I do feel like this world is built like distinctly enough from ours that I feel weird using words that we use for it like I don't feel like it's exactly theistic Mm -hmm. um because there's such a blend of like gods and history and you even have like people who are alive then being treated as gods which is maybe just how polytheistic systems work I was raised in a very monotheistic society um (laughs) same my background is Russian orthodox so (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. I like that. I like seeing sort of different ways of interacting um, mm-hmm. with the world. Can 
We talk about the relationship between Terry Sai and the lady because I cannot, I have so many complicated feelings about the lady. I, I have like empathy for her and how she like kind of came to be, but then also just intensely dislike her. <laughs> and there's, I just have so many strong feelings, but just the, the fact that I mean, well, I guess how spoilery do I you want to be? I was just checking the publication date. <laughs> it is August 2020. I think we need to be cautious because it's been published okay. within the last year. The relationship between Teresai and Lady being just having a, a parent removed or just kind of, yeah. it's almost almost like a emotional abuse kind of how she like stayed away and then she would come back and would you know barely interact with Terry Sai and then be away again um and I just I found it so fascinating because even if you didn't have a parent that was like that I feel like you can relate to it because you would have had some kind of relationship where somebody held you at arm's length but gave you enough to interact with them or just like long for them Mm um I mean I think it's it's interesting where even the name that the lady calls Terry Sai made of me, I thought that was so I was like, Oh, that's so loving and so nice. Like I wish somebody would would tell me that. But then later in the book, she Terry Sai asks the lady to call her by her actual name, Terry Sai, and she won't do it and just yeah. keeps saying made of me and that I think that's fine. Um that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not spoiler. Okay. But that even that was just so so interesting. I mean, the lady just truly viewed Terry Sai as like an extension of her. Yeah, I find it really interesting that you found that um, nice at the beginning, because I, from the very beginning, was like chilled to the bone by the lady, um, and like the maid of me thing was like so many red flags were going up uh, for me and. Also that like, okay, you can tell me if you feel like this is too spoilery, but I feel like we start right off with the lady committing sexual assault. So like, <laughs> she's not really established. As, like... No, the lady is, uh, I think, and I think that's fine. Cause that's literally like the first, the first two chapters. Page, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean the lady, the lady does pretty much um yeah just called what it sexual assault right off the bat um and and yeah I I think I thought about it not as in because she's she's a horrible person we like that that is well established up front I think I just took it as um affection towards her daughter right is how I took the made of me piece but then it it sunk in more throughout the book about how problematic made of me was but I also think that's kind of you know, indicative of emotional abuses, like you may not necessarily recognize it up front as it's happening, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, in that kind of a close relationship uh, when you want to view this person through like rose colored glasses, but then slowly coming to that realization as well. So I yeah. feel like I, I kind of walked that journey with Terry Sai almost yeah. where I was like, oh, that's so affectionate. And then hard pass <laughs> the, the lady's treatment of um of terry Sai, yes definitely emotional abuse a really really moving picture of it like very well done again i know this is my third time i'm comparing it to bitter blue but like that's another thing i love about bitter blue is this like very gradual uh 
unfolding of an abusive relationship and it does that really really well here too um and i, I love it when a book... blue. oh my god okay, you gotta you gotta it's so yeah good. i'm mental mental noting it away yeah. like if you like this <laughs> i mm. recommend um reading bitter blue first even though it's not the first chronologically uh in either in the book's time frame or in our time frame um but i really recommend reading it first because that's how i read it and i think it was a really really good way to read the triad what we see the lady doing with being absent coming back you know leaving for a while coming back is a really good illustration of breadcrumbing which is an emotional abuse tactic um that everybody should know about which is when somebody is really abusive to you but then when you start getting fed up and you start being ready to like set boundaries or something they give you just like a tiny tiny little bit of something nice um, mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, they do love me. They gave me something nice, whether that was just, you know, a moment's attention or like jewelry or like actually visiting me. I like seeing that. I like seeing that very clearly set out as something that is wrong to do to somebody mm-hmm. um, and not making excuses and not saying like, Oh, but she's your mother, so she does really love you, and she tries to come back, and she's mm. fighting with her evil nature. No, she's she's she is self-serving, and she's using her child to be self-serving. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I I think there's a real value in depictions of parents who are just bad. Because there are mm-hmm. kids who have parents who are just bad. <laughs> and yeah. that, that and sucks, so... but like... And it's so prevalent just to see um, positive relationships in media or see uh, people saying, oh, but this person is X, Y, Z to you, whether it's mother, father, et cetera. And like, that is the reason that you should continue to engage with them or you should continue to be on good terms with them or just uh, excuse certain behaviors when really it might be time to make a change. And and yeah, I did really, really like... um, not that I liked that that's how Terry saw his relationship with their mother was, but it's just nice to see it represented, like you said. I think it's really valuable. One thing I actually wondered about uh, Terry Sai's experience with her mom was, or I guess the lady, is how that informed uh, her, I guess, like attitude towards having children. So I am somebody who, um, since like teenage years, I'm I'm pretty... certain that I don't want to have kids. It's just not something I've ever felt drawn to. Um, And so I picked up throughout the book with Terry Sai where um, I think, you know, when she's about to go and kind of make her first laws and whatnot, they make a comment about, well, you know, bearing uh, Dyer's child could be the greatest honor um, that you could ever have is getting impregnated and having someone else's child. And I love her quip and just her sass in general throughout the book, but just her quip about uh, whatever like laws or edicts that I uh, do throughout her lifetime or career, whatever you want to refer to it as, will be my children. Um, And then uh, also just her discomfort also around babies that you see as well. Those are things that I so closely relate to. Um, that they just really stood out to me. But um, I'm curious how how much of her relationship with the lady may have like formed that 
not wanting to repeat something onto somebody else, which is my reasoning. Um, if we're not wanting to have kids and just, I just kind of had that curiosity too. I don't know if that's something that you had questioned or kind of like pulled out of the book, but. Um, I mean, I think I'm probably in a different place because I do have kids and Mm -hmm. I, uh, make an effort not to like make any assumptions about other people's child freeness because like having had kids, I totally Mm -hmm. understand why some people don't want to have kids. Like, (laughs) Like, as somebody mm-hmm. who always wanted kids, and, and like, I love my kids, and I'm delighted to have them, but, like, mm-hmm. I think it's a super valid choice. And more than that, like, I think you probably shouldn't have kids unless you're, like, 100,000% sure that you mm-hmm. want kids. Um, so I I didn't read too much into it, because, like, I, I think it's important for me as somebody who is not child-free not to just be like, well, is that just some damage from your childhood, you know, like... Mm. But I think it's an interesting thread to follow. I think it's cool that you brought it up. And I think that's valid. You know, like I I know people who have chosen not to have kids because of mental health issues they don't want to pass on. And like, Mm -hmm. I know that like, I, I mean, because I had my first kid really young, it was kind of too late for me to think about that. But I have sometimes Mm -hmm. wondered, like, if I knew the kinds of mental illness that runs in my family, would I have made a different choice? Um, Right. Yeah. I do. um, I do agree that it was really cool to see that represented because I think like I have seen sort of, oh, I like babies, but I don't want my own represented mm-hmm. but I haven't often seen like eh, I just don't really know what to do with a baby <laughs> represented mm-hmm. that much um and I think that's cool I remembered what I was gonna say I really like seeing Teresai as somebody who was intensely sheltered throughout her childhood and mm-hmm. really knows just about nothing about the world and is kind of coming into the world with an entirely fresh perspective. And I appreciate that as somebody who grew up intensely sheltered until I was about the same age that Terry I went to court, so around 11, 12, kind of started not being homeschooled and, like, meeting other people. And I really loved seeing her, her shelteredness, which is an extension of the lady's abuse, and is abusive and and was a wrong way to treat her but i appreciate seeing how her her fresh eyes the way that she doesn't take any of these things for granted really affects the way she perceives the world and really affects her sense of justice and you know she'll kind of be like well why why aren't there any women in power and everybody's just like well because that's because there never have been any women in power um Mm -hmm. and i find that really cool like I I really really liked that I really liked that she was somebody who really had no idea of the way her world worked and still had a lot to offer and actually um something that was used to harm her was something that was also one of her greatest strengths I think that's really Mm -hmm. really really cool no I definitely agree with that yeah I was thinking about that like also in terms of like like not wanting to have children like she didn't really meet other children when she was a kid she hasn't really ever seen a baby or a toddler so I think I almost saw it mm-hmm. more of, of that way of like if you've never like if it's never really been part of your life and you've never really thought about it until you were you know almost right. an adult like like I I don't it just kind of seems to follow for me that you'd just be like yeah that's not really something I'm comfortable with <laughs> like I don't really get yeah. it yeah. that's really really fair and that could very much just be me projecting my own feelings onto the book 
Um, I feel like just because like I am the 30, yeah. soon to be 31 year old person, I just, you're at that age where it's like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? Like, just like, I feel like sometimes that's what people put on me as my purpose as a mm-hmm. female identifying person. And so that's why I think with, um, with Terry side, just being like, no, these are not yeah. things that I want to do, or I may, may not do it. And, you know, I'm going to focus on this instead is just so much of what I would like to just scream yeah. at the top of my lungs at these people. <laughs> so, but no, I think that's a really fair call out. Um, just to your point about growing up around adults and yeah, not seeing kids. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, I think the really great thing with books and literature is that like, all of these interpretations can be true, right? Like, we don't mm-hmm. know what exactly is behind her choices and we can relate to what we relate to and I think like mm-hmm. I think if for you like I think your reading is super valid it's just not one I thought about because of my own experience but like yeah. I think it's really cool totally. I think it's really cool that that's available and that it's written and I yeah I like that about this book <laughs> see I can be um, awkward all the time, all the time. <laughs> Awkward is my specialty. I'm the best at making things awkward. We are on a young adult lit review podcast and we're 30. I, the joy and comfort this podcast brought me in 2020 when I was like, there are other people like me. I was so excited. I'm so glad. That's literally like why Bailey and I started this show because both of us were like, we like young adult lit and we know there are other people who like young adult lit and like I had gone through a lit degree and was just tired mm-hmm. of everybody being like, meh, young adult lit. It was just like, no, these are very good writers and you're just a misogynist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's just, and for me, it's just cool because like growing up on Sarah Dessen yeah. and it, listening to you guys talk about like, um, talk about Wes or like Dreamland yeah. or, um, Remy just like any any of those books is just like it was my childhood and I just it was amazing I was so happy that's where I that's how I started with you guys but um you can leave that you can leave that in or not but (laughs) (laughs) I would love to talk a little bit about like friendship and family yeah I don't know I don't have like a fully formed concept but I think the like the the, like polyamorous group of the council is really interesting but like weird weird rules and like yeah I really love that she took this sort of this trope of this young girl is getting sent to marry the king right which is something we're all Mm -hmm. familiar with um Mm -hmm. and turned it into something just completely different and and completely new and really interesting. And I really loved that you could want to be around people like through the ray um, and that connection. I I when I think about the community or just like the relationships that I want, like I just I wish I wish I could do that or just the just the ability to share um, a feeling or a thought like they can or even like Terry I can of like projecting memories onto other people I because you can try to explain things sometimes but just it it would be so much easier if you could show it or share it with people and I loved that so 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 much about the Ray and just about Mm -hmm. Terry Size Hollow in general is just the ability to communicate raw feelings um, and be able to bond with each other that way 
Absolutely, yeah. And I loved seeing that as kind of like a pure expression of love. And like that the central relationship where the Ray is now, like obviously there are like problematic things about the system. I'm not trying to say that the council is like the perfect ideal relationship system. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's cool that it's sort of like the the like revered relationship is essentially just a really close friendship. Mm-hmm. Um between a group of people who like bond as children and grow together I think mm-hmm. it's really cool that she chose to write it not as like and then I choose like my wife and we share this special bond but like then we are a group and we are a community and we're an intentional community bonded by this this precious love mm-hmm. uh despite as i stated the things that are certainly problematic which i don't want to like spoil like, too much council uh, <laughs> like, true. no no go for okay. it go for it well just council sickness like i i just got i just got bothered by the fact that you i mean maybe i'm just an like a very independent person or just don't like being dependent on people um but just the fact that you can't be away from them without getting physically ill. And to me, that was that was that problematic piece. <laughs> um, do you, do you like, think it's somehow unhealthy to not be able to leave a relationship without becoming ill? Just <laughs> Is that like a red flag? <laughs> just a smidge to where you eventually go mad and potentially pass away. <laughs> Like, maybe. I don't know. But don't you think it's, like, romantic? <laughs> um, yes. So the, the the lack of choice is maybe a little worrying. <laughs> yes. The the ability to share in the feeling is amazing. I, I'm totally there for that. But then, yes. I mean, that's for life. I mean, they, yeah. when they accept the Ray in their training to be part of the council, they can't see their parents. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 forsaking all others on on steroids. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's like it's it's so good. Yeah, no, they have such. I, I, I am sad. I'm sorry, but that was like the scene yeah. we were all waiting for. It was just built up through the entire book, and I really appreciated that. Again, like for me, I don't know. For me, the like young girl going to the court to get groomed for the king is very much like story of Esther, um, and. I fully expected at the beginning for there to be a like coming to love the king right and like Mm -hmm. through that relationship making change in the kingdom and it went off in this other unexpected direction and Mm -hmm. her relationship with Sanjeet is really beautiful Um, you see them helping each other you know it starts off with her helping him but they sort of bloom into this really beautiful solid friendship and like mutual love and respect and it's so healthy and it's like really 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 special um Mm -hmm. the the community of this book is something really special yeah I mean just the entire council in general and how they're they interact with each other but um a a little bit extending beyond Teresai and Sanjeet you also have Kira who I feel Mm -hmm. like is like they're like a trio almost um the three of them Mm -hmm. and just that that friendship and how even when one of them messes up which you do see happen like several times just the forgiveness that comes with it and the understanding and just like you know the love is kind of the underlying factor there yeah um that they really stick together was really really nice to see yeah I love Kira so much I uh I could I could talk about her 
and their whole relationship for a real long time and um mm-hmm. yeah maybe one day like when the book is no longer less than a year old we'll just do an all-in spoilers <laughs> there there is a sequel there is a sequel yes. coming out oh. it comes out i think um i was looking at the pre-order um i think it comes out this august okay um, that would make so sense it's a year yeah so august 2021 is her sequel which um is it redemptors those are the those yeah. are the kids right um that's I think that's what her book is called the the sequel is Redemptors yeah um but that's a whole I don't know if you want to touch base on those that at all because that was intense (laughs) I think I think that maybe falls into too much spoilers for this one yeah but like join us in like six months and (laughs) we'll spoil this one and not spoil the second one because I'm really excited about that yeah. Yeah. This I think there's so there's so many things I want to talk about that were too spoilery. <laughs> this is so I'm not a big fantasy reader. Like I read it for this show because it is my role. Um but mm-hmm. I've been like developing a taste for fantasy because I'm reading it anyway, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. what I reach for, but I'm reading it anyway. And um this is one of this is maybe my favorite in a long time. Like, mm-hmm. like Graceling was the first, and I read that, I mean, it came out a long time ago, a long time, it was like five years, but like, um, Graceling really gripped me, and I think this is one of the first books to grip me the same way, like, in a mm-hmm. long time. It's really good. Yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed it, and I'm really looking forward to the sequel. I would, I would say, like, I do, I, I read a fair amount of fantasy. I feel mm-hmm. like that is, is the genre that I really do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's how, I guess, I escape, but... This is is hands down, I think, some of the best fantasy that I've read um, in a while. Again, just to go back to the pacing real quick, like it's just it's really well written. To your point, other fantasy writers can take a solid two hundred pages out of their books. Sorry, I'm so scared. Every time I read a book that's six hundred pages, I'm just like, why? It never has to be six hundred pages. It's it just this proves that it can be well done in a solid like three three fifty pages and it was just um it was really refreshing um and and the fact that this is I think her her debut book and I I'm so excited to see what else she comes out with like not just the sequel to this um but uh just even beyond that I'm so excited to see what she comes out with because that's immensely promising this first book. Yeah, I really, I will read anything she writes, honestly. Is this like, is this 2021's uh, Christina Forrest? Maybe, maybe. Maybe. see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) I should actually email her. Jordan, if you're listening, I'm sorry we said the first page is dragged. Please come be on our show. Come talk about writing fantasy with us and... (laughs) And we'll follow up on the sequel one in August. Please be my friend. Why? It's just such a, I think it just has a really good community feel about it. Yeah. Especially with like um, people that are teenagers and they're going to be enthusiastic with what they read or whatever they're into. But then if you have adults that are writing or reading it um, or engaging with the material, I mean, at, at that point you're you're purely in it because you enjoy it so I just feel like the community is very welcoming and open arms and and that shows through people being willing to to chat but yeah I mean Jordan Jordan Fuego would love to have her come be our friend 
All right. Uh, before we get into the outro, I just want to mention, um, this is coming out on Tuesday, we have a fundraiser going for the Upford Network. Um, our studio computer on which all of these shows are edited and produced is dying, and we really need to replace it. So we're running a fundraiser. Uh, it'll be running for 60 days. We're actually already, at the time of recording, almost halfway to our first goal, which is very exciting. Um, we do have some exciting stretch goals that we'll unveil as we hit. I think the first one will be unveiled at 2000 so if you're interested in donating to that we will have a link in our show notes and also we're sharing it all over social media there are a lot of really fun perks you can get including if you want to be like emily a guest spot on the show um so check it out help us buy a computer help our show continue to be produced please we really appreciate it uh if you really need the incentive it is my birthday tomorrow um, as of the release date so go throw me a little birthday present by donating to our fundraiser that would be the best birthday present <laughs> best birthday present ever and I'm turning 30 so you have to do it um, welcome welcome to the 30 club <laughs> I'm so into it I mean I don't know if you've heard me like yell about it enough to caddy but I'm so excited to be in my 30s uh, it, it is the best you're stable yeah. have money you got more of your shit figured out it's I highly recommend it's highly great. recommend the first, 30 I'm about to be 31 in like a month or two here and year 30 even though it was in COVID um was great I was gonna say <laughs> if your first year of your 30s was this year and you're still giving the 30s a good review um yeah. that sounds pretty good thanks for listening to yeah if you want to leave feedback, suggest a book uh, for us to read or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at yapodcast, and individually, I'm at tefferbear. If you like the show and you'd like to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Erica Stutchberry, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenho. Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan Jane, Emily Patton, that's me, and Emmett Cameron. I mean, like, don't you want to be a patron after hearing Emily host this? It's so much fun to be a patron. You really, you really, like, it's so great. It's absolutely worth the many, right, Emily? 20 out of 10 <laughs> endorse it. <laughs> we have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. There's bags, there's t-shirts, there's mugs. They all have the yeah logo. One day I will make more merch designs. It'll be great. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Maybe a friend who likes Graceling, since apparently I can't stop comparing the two. <laughs> Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. They, um, Andrew and Noah, who are part of Great Bear, are also currently fundraising for a new album as a kind of new ensemble called The Faux Paws. If you're interested in supporting that or finding out where you can pre-order that album, because they're really skilled musicians, you can just drop me a line. Like, you can DM me or you can email the, the podcast email or whatever, uh, because I don't know the link right up. You know what? No. Okay, come on. This is getting released in a few days. I will put the link to that in the show notes. This episode was produced by Tefer Jenian and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upward Network. And you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upwardnetwork.com. Bye! Bye! 
If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, the Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender, Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. (laughs) Ah, 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 ah.